Welcome to another episode of the Peak Potential Success Show. My name is Paul Chua. I'm an entrepreneur, business strategist, real estate investor, speaker, also best-selling author. And every single day, I help others unlock potentials and guide them to succeed. Today on the show, we have another fascinating guest on this show. We interview celebrities, entrepreneurs, business CEOs, real estate investors, speakers, artists, athletes to find out their path to success, how they're able to overcome challenges and adversity, and of course, their keys to success. And today's guest is definitely somebody who could shine some light into that in the world of real estate investing because he's done it all. He's very, very successful in that. He's helped so many people succeed in real estate. He comes highly recommended, and I'm very, very excited to have him here. Uh, he's helped a lot of his students, his clients, find fun, close deals, automate that process so they could do it over and over again. Uh, he's, his courses has also impacted over 98,000 students, and he's coached over 2,000 uh, investors as well to succeed in real estate, showing them how they can actually get three deals a month in less than six hours a day, buying real estate without banks, and also finding secret sources of funding so that they can be able to be successful as well. He's an author. He's also known as the private money authority. So please welcome real estate investors, investor expert and coach, Mr. Jay Connor. Hello, Fong, my lands. I think that's like the most energetic and enthusiastic introduction I have ever had after being on thousands of podcasts. <laughs> well, thank you very much for that. I'm very, very excited to have you here. Um, it's always a pleasure speaking with people with your expertise and uh, your experience when it comes to real estate investing. But before we dive into uh, private money and all that great stuff that you're teaching people now, I'm very interested as to how you started because I'm pretty sure you did not you, you did not come out of uh, uh, the hospital going, you know what, I'm going to become a real estate investor. So what was that path? What were you before being in real estate? Was I was actually raised, Fong, in the industry of helping people own a home. So my father, Wallace Connor, still living. Next month, he turns 90 years old, and he's still in the middle of three uh, new developments, housing developments. So my father uh, had a company that helped people own affordable housing. So we were in, I was raised in what's called the mobile home industry or manufactured housing industry. And these are prefabricated homes that are, that were delivered to the on-site, right? So anyway, the consumer finance, the financing for that product essentially went away in the early in 2003, I already knew if I ever got out of mobile homes and manufactured housing, I wanted to get into single family houses uh, and flip houses. And, and, and so the reason and the motivation for where this came from is my wife, Carol Joy, and I, we've got some really, really good friends here in North Carolina. And way back in 1993, they uh, invested in a house. Uh, the wife's father bought it for him and said, look, you fix it up and we'll flip it and you can keep the profit for to build yourself a new home and so they did in less than 90 days they made thirty thousand dollars all the way back in 1993 and i thought to myself whoa i'm trying to make three thousand dollars on a single wide mobile home if i ever get out of the mobile home business i know what i want to do so that's why so my wife and i we started all the way back in 2003 since that time we have uh, flipped over 500 rehabs um, and still doing it. And we started using private money in 2009 after we'd been in the business for six years. So, you know, like you said, Fong, I just didn't wake up one day and say, you know what? I think I'll go raise me some private money. No, the growth takes place in the valley, mm -hmm. right? 
growth takes place, personal growth, business growth, typically takes place when there is a problem. And Fong, I tell you, I remember it like it was yesterday. I'd been using the local banks. That's all I knew to do. I'd been using local banks to fund our real estate deals the very first year, first six years that we were in this business. And so I remember it like it was yesterday. Fong, I know this is going to be hard for you to believe, but we actually still have handsets, telephone handsets with cords here in North Carolina. I picked up my phone in January of 2009 and I called my banker and I told him that I'd had, I had two deals under contract, two houses under contract to buy. And my banker and I, we'd had this conversation for six years. I'd already done a ton of deals. And I learned right there in that conversation, Fung, that my line of credit had been closed with no notice. And I said to my banker, I said, what in the world do you mean you've shut down my line of credit? My banker said, Jay, don't you know there's a financial, global financial crisis going on right now here in 2009? I said, no, I don't know anything about a financial crisis, but now I got a financial crisis because you've shut down my line of credit and I can't close on these two deals. And so anyway, we hung up the phone. And by the way, Fung, I tell you what absolutely drives me crazy. People running around saying, oh, every problem you have is an opportunity. I want to throw up. I didn't have no opportunity. I had a problem, right? No way to fund these two deals and I couldn't get my earnest money back. Well, my definition of coincidence is God's way of staying anonymous. In less than two weeks, I learned about private money and I put on my teacher hat phone. That's what I did. I put on my teacher hat and I started teaching people of what private money is people in my warm market. And so I was teaching my private lending program that I was going to offer to people. And in less than 90 days, I was able to raise $2,150,000 in new private funding. So you know what? That was the biggest blessing in disguise Fong that I've had in this business in all these years was getting cut off from the bank. And you know what? Since that time in January 2009, I've never missed out on a deal for not having the funding. That is absolutely incredible. Did I did I miss something? You said that you were cut off and then you decided to teach how to find private money. Now I started teaching people that I already had a relationship with what private money is right. and how they could earn high rates of returns safely and securely. So I didn't start teaching other real estate investors how to do this until two years down the road after I started doing it myself. So at that time, did you already have a bunch of private money lenders? No, I oh, had zero. Exactly. So that's what I was trying to get at. You didn't have any private money lenders under you, but you were teaching people to become private money lenders. Yes. And in so got a list of private lenders. <laughs> that's right. That That's is right. absolutely amazing. Um, so when it comes to private money, like I know that lots of people go, you know what? I, I have to go to the banks. I have to go to the banks. I can't qualify for this. I can't qualify for that. But in the end, you can only you, you can only go to banks for so many times. And then eventually you'll run out of money, no matter how much money you have. So when it comes to private money, how big of a deal is relationships? And how do you build strong relationships so that you can keep those private lenders happy? Yes, that is so foundational. So one way we build relationships is I never pitch a deal. I've, you know, I've never pitched a deal. I, you know, in fact, part of the answer to your question, Fong, is 
I've never asked anybody for money. And they say, Jay, how do you have eight and a half million dollars of private money funding at your disposal that you use from project to project project? And you've never asked anybody for money. Well, here's the secret sauce. Again, I put on my teacher hat. And first of all, I teach my program. In other words, you know, the traditional way to borrow money, Fong, is you go to the local bank, you get on your hands and knees, and you put your hands underneath your chin, and you say, please fund my deal, please fund my deal. But in this world of private money, there's no asking for a mortgage. It's offering, offering a mortgage. So we separate the activity of teaching our private lending program. And here's another big thing. You know, when I borrowed money from the banks, they put the program together. They set the interest rate. They set the frequency of payments. They set the maximum loan to value. Well, it's the opposite of that in this world. We, as the borrower, as the real estate investors, we set the program. We set the rate. We set the frequency of payments. And so, again, we're teaching how people can get high rates of return safely and securely, either by using their investment capital or their retirement funds. So first of all, we teach the program. It takes about 20 minutes to go through how someone can earn high rates of return safely and securely and be totally passively involved in real estate. So they like the program. They tell us how much they have to work with, investment capital, or maybe they've got retirement funds and they're not happy with the returns they're getting on the retirement funds. Well, in that case, we introduce them to the self-directed IRA company that we recommend. And that, by the way, is Quest Trust in Houston, Texas. Well, guess what? Over half of our private lenders, I got 47 right now. You don't need 47. You need one or two to start. But over half of them are using their retirement funds uh, that they've transferred over penalty-free, tax-free, uh, and then they loan us money out on our deals. And so again, here's the secret, teaching the private lending program, what it is that you're going to offer. And by the way, I've got a book here that at the end of the show, I'm going to give out to everybody for free. And in the book, it's got the exact private lending program that we teach. They tell us how much they got to work with. And then Fong, the, the next part that is so important is we get our deals funded by calling up our private lenders with what we call the good news phone call. <laughs> so we don't call them up to pitch a deal. We call them up and here's the exact script. We say, I've got great news for you. I can now put your money to work. Well, guess what? They've been waiting for the phone call, <laughs> particularly if they move their money over to the self-directed IRA company, they're not earning any money on that money until they fund your deal with that money. So we call them up with the good news phone call and we say, I've got great news for you. I can now put your money to work. And then we tell them four bits of information about the deal. I've got a house in Newport. So I tell them where it's located. The after repaired value is 200,000. I tell them the after repaired value, the funding required is $150,000. I know they got $150,000. They already told me that two weeks ago. And the closing date is next Wednesday. So you need to have your funds wired to my real estate attorney by next Tuesday. So, and that's it. I'm not going to ask them if they want to do the deal. Of course they want to do the deal. They've been waiting for me to call them to put their money to work. So again, it's the separation of, of conversations. You know, the worst time in the world to be raising private money is when you need it 
for a deal because desperation has got a smell to it. So no, we're going to teach the program, tell them we'll put their money to work for them just as soon as possible and call them up with the good news phone call. Wow. Absolutely fascinating. Now, when you teach these programs and these courses, I'm sure there's a lot of people with money who goes, hey, I want to be part of this. Hey, I want to be part of this. Put me on that list that, so that I could get that uh, that good news phone call. Now, for the people who are signed up or part of that list, there's lots of different backgrounds, different uh, levels of, of funding and whatnot. How do you determine who gets what, how much people can put in, whether there's only one investor or a group of investors? Do people with like only a small amount of money to put into it, will they ever have a chance to be a part of anything? And I think that's a lot of issues with people who goes, you know what? I don't have a lot of money. I'm never going to get called. I can't fund that $150,000 deal. So how do they get involved? Yeah, great question. So first of all, part of the program that I teach for my business is what is my minimum? What's my minimum, you know, amount of investment that I can work with? And today my minimum is $50,000. Now I can't use $50,000 typically to buy a house, but I can use that for rehab money. So in answer to your question, Fong, who gets chosen next to fund the next deal, right? Well, it depends. If it's a brand new private lender that hasn't funded any deals yet, they go to the top of the list because I want to prove to them that I can perform and I can put their money to work for them. And then secondly, if it's a smaller amount of money, like if someone's on the list has got money available that I've paid them off from a previous deal or they've just come in, then I can use their money as rehab money, renovation money, and they can go in second position as a junior lien underneath the first position. So let's say I've got a deal now that I've, I'm ready to fund. And so I'll just look at my list. We just keep an Excel spreadsheet of our private lenders and how much they have available. Right. And so I look at, so we call them putting them in the queue. So when we pay off a private lender, as a matter of fact, we got a closing day after tomorrow and I'm paying off the private lenders that are, that have funded that deal. So we pay them off. Now they go back in the queue. So they go to the bottom of the list and they work their way up. So we use larger amounts of money for the purchases and the smaller amounts of money. If the, if the property is needing rehab. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, I'm sure that list is, is a nice long, long list. And lots of people want to be involved and wants to go back in the queue over and over again. So that leads to, uh, the the next question, which is, well, first of all, you have the four pillars and we've talked about basically your second pillar, which is the funding. Now, in order to keep all these investors happy and making money on over and over again, you got to find these deals. So how are you able to find so many deals so fast and deals that are actually good deals that benefits your list? Absolutely. Well, we're here in a small area. Our total target market's only 40,000 people. And we do only two to three houses a month. However, as of right now today, our average profit per deal is $78,000 per deal per house that we do. I don't share that to brag. I do share that to say though, it's because of these high profits that we're able to pay the high rates of return to our private lenders. So how do we find these deals? Well, here are the answers. First of all, my wife, Carol Joy, and I, all the way back to 2004, 
We started putting our foreclosure system together. We track every open file of every foreclosure in our county, and we physically go to the courthouse twice a week, and we get the information before any other real estate investors know about these opportunities. And so I've got eight letters that we mail to these people that are facing foreclosure. So these are eight sequential letters. And of course, once they respond to the letter, we stop mailing the letters. The magic sauce on that program is I'm looking to help these people in distress. This has got nothing to do about taking advantage of anybody, but helping solve their problem. Even when the respondent says, I will sell my home for what I owe. And by the way, most of these we fund with subject to the existing note uh, and buy it that way. In other words, we agree to make their payments, they transfer ownership. And then we use private money in second position to bring those past due payments current. But when they respond to our marketing, one of the first things we ask them is, do you want to keep your property? And if they say yes, and if we can help them with an idea such as a loan modification or a deferment program with their lender, then if they're able to keep their property, Fung, there's nothing in it for me and my team. But you know what? Through the law of reciprocity, there's plenty and enough to go around. If we can help somebody keep their property, that's fantastic. And when they say they'll sell to us for what they owe, we don't do that either. If For goodness sakes, if I'm going to make $78,000, average profit per deal. Can I not put a few thousand dollars in those people's pocket to help them get back on their feet? So number one, how do we find these deals? The foreclosure system. My intent is to help these people that are in distress and buy their property in between when the file opened and before it goes to sale. Why do I want to have all that competition at the courthouse? So number one, our foreclosure system. Number two, Google search, pay-per-click, and pay-per-lead. So I've got three different vendors that I pay here in our local area. So when someone searches in Google, buy my house fast or sell my house fast, I'm at the top of the list on one of those three service providers. So Google leads. Number three, Facebook ads, paid ads. So I've got two different Facebook campaigns that I run. One is what we call is distressed owners. And the other one is what we call the generic campaign. Those campaigns are just a picture of me holding a sign, a bandit sign, a yellow bandit sign that says, I buy houses and our phone number that goes to our answering service. So paid Facebook ads that show up in people's news feeds. In addition to that, we have a full-time 40 hour a week outbound caller that's calling and texting. So we got all kinds of lists, special absentee, out of state absentee, tired landlords right now is the hottest list, tired landlords in our area. And uh, so I have a lead manager that makes sure none of our leads fall through the crack. And uh, we also uh, mail to uh, pre-probates as well. And so those are the majority of the ways that we consistently every day are sourcing leads. And you know what? I say it all the time, Fong, if you don't have consistent seller leads coming in your pipeline, you have a hobby and not a business. Very, very true. And that's, I think, unfortunately, lots of investors are that way. They don't have that consistent leads coming in and eventually their pipeline dries up and then they're like, okay, what do I do now kind of thing. Now. 
you kind of mentioned a lot about the automation part of it too, having the the auto uh, calling list going out and having other people employed to help you do those calls or follow up on leads and whatnot. So you've also helped a lot of people get into real estate investing. Now, for a person who's like, okay, I really want to get into it, but look at look at Jay. Jay's already covered the entire market. What am I? How am I going to compete with that? So, what do you tell the people who are up and coming, trying to get into the market? How do they start? So, the best way and advice that I can give on starting is don't try to be right there in the middle of the city competing with all those other real estate investors. The best markets are to go into the suburbs and to the outlying markets. So are there other real estate investors here in my area? Sure, but there's hard, there's not many. I'm the only consistent game in town that is marketing every day that I know of. So I say the smallest, like my area is only 40,000. I mean, you don't have to be in a market of hundreds of thousands of people to be really, really uh, successful when you can dominate a small market. I would much rather be a big fish in a small bowl than a tiny fish in a big bowl. Wow. That's uh, very good stuff because I know a lot of people who start off goes, Hey, I'm going to go into a big pond right now and jump into it right away. Cause once I'm successful, I could keep on repeating that process. But what they don't think about is what if it doesn't work? Then, then you're really like stuck in a spot where you don't know where to go. Um, I know talking to a lot of real estate investors that some of their best stories are the houses that they walk into and it looks like a disaster. Do you have any disaster stories or deals that just did not go according to plan that you could share with us? Well, Fong, I'm sure you've heard of this gentleman by the name of Murphy. And you know, Murphy is the guy that is the uh, godfather of if something can go wrong, it will go wrong. And so like when it comes to estimating repairs on the rehab deals we do, which by the way, not every house is a full rehab. I mean, I buy subject to the existing note on what I call pretty houses and there's not much renovation to those. But whenever there is a rehab going on, if you've, if you've estimated repairs of 30,000, 40,000, $50,000, I can assure you, I have never, ever, after doing 500 rehabs, I've never gotten the estimation of repairs perfectly. <laughs> That's why the secret is not in estimating repairs perfectly. The secret is in your offer. There's, there's where your, you know, your uh, cushion is, if you will, for the unexpected. So for example, when we estimate repairs on a house before I make an offer, regardless, I always throw in an extra $10,000 in repairs mm -hmm. to just give me that extra cushion on the unexpected. Now I'm also going to have insurance in place and I'm not talking about property and casualty insurance. You never want to close on a deal. And I learned this the hard way. You don't want to close on a house and purchase it. If you're going to rehab it without a home inspection, don't ever buy a house that's got a major rehab without a home inspection. And when you get that home inspection, before you close, you give that home inspection to your general contractor, who is then going to give you the final quote and bid on the project. Mm -hmm. So again, you want to have those practices in place to protect you. Mm -hmm. Now, recently with uh, interest rates going higher and higher, uh, lots of investors out there are 
kind of struggling with those rates and uh, rental incomes no longer covering or what they used to cover, you being in private money, has the rise in interest rates with banks affected how you do business? You know, <laughs> Fong, that's a really interesting question. You know, it's, it's a historical fact. The Fed, the, the, the United States federal government has raised rates 11 times in the past 22 months. That is a historical record. That's, ne that's never happened. But here's the beautiful thing about private money. Did you know that I am paying my private lenders today the same thing I've been paying them ever since 2009 <laughs> when I started? And you see, since we make the rules on setting the rate, then the market does not determine what rate I'm going to pay. I determine, and when you start doing the business to your listeners the way I do, you set the rate. So, you know, like for example, Prior to COVID coming along here in the United States, um, the 12 month certificate of deposit at the local bank, the annual yield got all the way down to 0.17%. Now today, this side of COVID, I mean, the bank right down the street from where our office is, is paying four and a half percent in a 12 month certificate of deposit. But guess what? I'm still paying 8%, have been since 2009. I've been paying 8% to my private lenders. And you know what? 8%, and by the way, we don't borrow unsecured money. All the notes are secured and collateralized and backed by the real estate that we are purchasing. And so our private lenders still absolutely love 8%, a lot better than four and a half. And you know, I don't have a crystal ball. Nobody's got a crystal ball. But if I had a crystal ball, I think it would tell me we'd be seeing mortgage residential rates back down in the 5% range, yeah, probably in less than two years. Wow, that is fascinating. And I, I love how you're able to maintain uh, your payments back to your investors the same for all these years, and they're always going to be happy because of that. Now, when it comes to uh, working with you, like people with money goes, you know what? This sounds great. I want to get in it. I want to be part of that list. I want to be part of a program. What are some of the most common uh, negative comebacks or feedback that you get from people that says, you know what? Maybe this isn't for me. Like, and how do you, how do you show them? Nope. This is the best way of investing. This is the best way of using private money. Uh, this is why. Well, you know, that's an interesting question, Fong, because I've never had anybody tell me that this is not for me, except for the following reason. It is for them, but their money is tied up and they can't get to it. For example, I just had coffee um, a few weeks ago with a good friend of mine that we go to church and he works for a civil service for the government. He's got over $500,000 in his retirement fund and he's sick and tired of the volatility in the stock market, which is where his retirement funds are invested. He says, Jay, I want to come into your program. So we visited and I said, well, I don't know if you can or not check with your plan administrator where you have retirement funds and see if you have the option to pull a portion out before you leave the company or you retire. And he didn't have the opportunity. Uh, on the other hand, uh, I have one private lender and here's what's funny. 
He worked for Fannie Mae. Oh, my, wow. One of my private lenders worked for Fannie Mae, <laughs> and he had been with them for over 20 years. And when, when we first visited about the program, he said, well, Jay, I want to do this with you. He said, but I can't until I retire, and then I can move my funds, my retirement funds. I said, well, how do you know that? I said, contact your plan administrator and come to find out when he did, they allowed him to move up to 50% of his retirement funds anywhere else he wanted to go without penalty or tax because he had been with the company for so long. So back to your question, Fong, you see, we don't have to put on our selling hat. We're not selling anybody uh, on the program. We're not persuading. We're not trying to talk them to anybody. We simply are teaching people. We're simply putting our teacher hat on and teaching them about private money and how they can get high rates of return. And you know what? When you're not asking anybody for anything, you can't be rejected. <laughs> awesome. Uh, we, we talked about some of your the pillars, uh, the finding, the funding, uh, closing is pretty self-explanatory and then also automating that process. Now, the thing is, you've also showed a lot of your students and your clients how they're able to find, close three deals a month in less than six hours of work a week. Now, I'm assuming that that has to do with your four pillars, but if you could give us a, a, a wide shot as to how that works, how does one do three deals a month in less than six hours of work? Yeah, well, I certainly didn't start out that way, right? So we had to build the processes and put them in place which I also teach that whole process to other real estate investors as well in our live events and our mastermind meetings and such. But how does that work? Well, when I started out, it took me a full year to really get the processes automated. I mean, I was running around, you know, 50, 60 hours a week with my hair on fire. And so the definition of automation is you're either using technology and you're using other people. So I'll just give you one example on how to really automate this business. And that is how do you communicate with your team and how do you stay on top of all of your prospective sellers of houses? And we sell a lot of houses on lease purchase rent to own as well. How do you keep up with all them? Well, I tell you what, Fung, I was a disorganized mess for a long time. I was trying to run this business off of notes on yellow legal pads and post-it notes posted all over the place. And when I really started getting everything streamlined is when I got an excellent customer relationship management software. And there's all kinds of good ones out there. But here I'm telling you, you will have deals falling through the crack. You will not be able to automate this system without an excellent software program to keep up with all your leads. And like I have a full-time acquisitionist. So I said, it's either technology or people. In my case, it's both. So Kim has been our acquisitionist that talks to all of our potential sellers. And you know what? I haven't talked to, to a seller in years myself. So the leads come in. Well, all the seller leads come in from those sources that I talked about earlier. All those leads come in and they automatically go into our software. So I don't have to have someone manually typing all those leads into the software. So now once they get in, now my acquisitionist is notified that, hey, you got a new lead. So now it's my acquisitionist job to call and text that seller lead until we get them on the phone. 
How else do we know um, automate it? What if she can't get up with somebody after trying three times a day for the first three days? Then they automatically go into our software nurturing sequence, which is follow-up text that I've already pre-written, follow-up emails. So, but let's say my acquisitionist Kim does talk to a seller. Well, so then she will go into the notes in our software and I'll be notified as to the initial conversation. So then all I'm having to do from the automation standpoint, Fong, is go into the software, look at the numbers, see if it makes sense for us to go take a look at the house. And then I'll send a note back in the software. My acquisitionist will coordinate our team, our contractor, our realtor to go look at the house. They'll estimate repairs, and now she puts all that estimation back in the software. I'll look at the numbers, and I'll tell her what offer to make based off of our all-cash offer uh, formula. My total involvement on a deal of buying it myself, I'm making the decision on what to offer, but really, from the automation standpoint, Fong, I've only got two major responsibilities. Number one, personally, I got to make sure the marketing machine is turned on all the time and we've got all these seller leads coming in. So my second responsibility is to tell our acquisitionist, what's the offer? What's the offer on the property? And then the team communicates all that. My total involvement on a deal typically is going to be less than an hour. Wow. Absolutely amazing. Now, one thing that lots of people are afraid of who are at that level of hiring people on, adding them on our team, automating everything, is that what if that person I'm bringing on steals those clients or steals those deals and then go off on their own? How do you maintain your team so that they still are motivated to stay with you and work with you and, and building that team even stronger? Well, I've actually got two comments on that phone. Number one, to be the entrepreneur that's running the show, that's running the business, you have to have an understanding of all the pieces. Most people that come on to your team are not interested in understanding all the pieces. For example, our acquisitionist, she does a fantastic job talking to sellers, but as far as how I get the private money, she's not involved in that at all. As far as the raising of the private money. Um, so each of our team members have specific responsibilities that they're focused on and that they are responsible for. My other comment, Fong, is that I have got a mindset of abundance, not scarcity. There's plenty to go around. And if I can be a part of someone becoming their own entrepreneur and starting the business themselves, then that's a win as well. <laughs> That's perfect. Um, now, lots of people like yourself are able to surround themselves with other people who are uh, successful, who are able to bounce ideas with and all that kind of stuff. I'm assuming that you have your team, your group of people that you mastermind with, that you bounce ideas on with. What are some of the best things that you've ever heard from your, your mentors, your coaches that change your trajectory as to how you're successful you are? Yes. Well, for one thing, my wife, Carol Joy, and I, we are a member of three mastermind groups, all related to real estate investing. So we are all the time surrounding ourselves with other people, right? And then we have our own mastermind group that we run to where we are actually the facilitators. Mm -hmm. So 
To my knowledge, it was Napoleon Hill that uh, coined and developed and made popular this idea of the mastermind. And yeah, I just can't imagine being in this business by myself and not surrounding myself with other people. So one of the concepts I picked up that you ask about that really has lended itself to me being successful, I got it from the mastermind group that I was a member of. They were talking about how they schedule everything on their calendar and they don't have to-do lists, but they put all the important things to get done on their calendar. So I came up with the phrase, successes are scheduled. Successes don't happen by accident. So if something is important enough to do, get it on your calendar and get it scheduled. <laughs> That's great, great advice there. Um, I'm going to ask one more formal question to you before we jump into some fun questions. Uh, and that is, if you had an opportunity to speak to the world on a world stage, one message that you want everybody to remember Jay for, what would that message be? Be authentic be sincere, lead with a servant's heart. And when you and, and here's the phrase I would want to be known for. Jay Connor is known for the quote, it's all about sowing. It ain't about reaping. It's all about sowing. It ain't about reaping. I can't be reaping anything until I have given and served and sown first. Mm -hmm. Keep your mind and your focus serving on the other person and you're not going to have to worry about yourself. Nicely done. Great words to live by. Uh, before I let you go, because I know you got lots of deals to look at and approve on and, and offer on, uh, I got five quick questions. Rapid fire, give me the first thing that comes to mind. You're stranded on a deserted island, and you get one food to eat for the rest of your life, no consequence. What would that be? One food to eat? Yep, no consequence. Oh, so you're not going to be oh, unhealthy. You you see, that. That, that's a hard question to answer because <laughs> obviously I love all the food, but if there is only one that I could eat, it would be cheese. I love cheese. <laughs> Just blocks and blocks of cheese <laughs> everywhere. Um, Hollywood calls and goes, hey, Jay, your story is absolutely amazing. We would love to do a biopic on you. Who would you like to be casted to play you? Oh, who to play me? Oh, well, that would... Is this has to be somebody that's that's known out there? <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. As long as you want them to play you, it's all good. <laughs> all right, very good. Well, that would have to be one of my best friends at church, Aubrey Spence. He could he plays me better than I play myself. <laughs> your your friend shows up at your door. Hey, I got casted to play you. Now I know we've spent a lot of time with each other already. I we know each other back inside and out, but let's just hang out, get to know know the insides and outs of everything of your past life and whatnot. What's an amazing night out with you like? An amazing night out. Actually, an amazing night would actually be at mine and Carol Joy's home. We both love to cook and we both write and record music, piano music. And so uh, we've got the grand piano in the living room. And so we'd hang out in the living room and I'd play you some piano music. Oh, wow. That's absolutely awesome. Now, uh, speaking of music, you're on a road trip and you are driving for hours hours on end for some whatever reason it is there's only one song that plays over and over and over again what's that one song you don't mind listening to oh that would have to be um a song that i wrote actually because it's had such an impact on my life and and and, and thousands of other people's lives my wife and i we write uh hymns and spiritual songs for the church 
And so the name of that song is I Close My Eyes. Awesome. I, that would be very uh, difficult for me. If I wrote my own song, I'm listening to that over and over again. I'll be critiquing it the, the whole entire time. <laughs> uh, last question before I get there. Uh, give me a number from one to five. Oh, my favorite number, three. One, two, three. So if you had to compare success to an octopus, how would you use an octopus as a metaphor for success? How would I use octopus as a metaphor for success? You've got to have many, many, many tentacles that bring in seller leads every day for your real estate business. Don't rely on just one. <laughs> awesome. Nicely done. So that's how an octopus is like success. Um, thank you very much for your time. I've had a great time listening to your stories, learning from you, and it has gone by very, very fast. Um, any last words from you that you would like to share? Um, yes, be authentic and genuine. Be you, don't try to be anybody else. Great. And also a little bit more about your book, how people can- Oh, yes. I would love to give my book away, Fong. Here's my book right here. It's called Where to Get the Money Now. And the subtitle is How and Where to Get Money for Your Real Estate Deals Without Relying on Banks, Traditional Lenders, or Hard Money Lenders. So we're not talking about hard money. So this is not an ebook. You can't download it. I believe it or not, the United States Postal Service is still in business. So uh, we will actually mail this to you, um, priority mail. I'll autograph it for you. You can get it for free. Just cover shipping at www.jconner, and I'm an E-R, not an O-R, J-A-Y-C-O-N-N-E-R.com forward slash book. So that's jconner.com forward slash B-O-O-K. Awesome. Thank you very much for that. Uh, everybody else, make sure you get in contact with Jay, get a copy of her, his book. It's not very often you get an actual signed physical book that's going to be coming to you for free. So make sure you take advantage of that. Uh, once again, thank you very much for your time. It was a, a lot of joy and also a lot of learnings on my side. So thank you very much for your time. Fong, thank you so much for having me. Great. Everybody else, like I said, make sure you contact Jay, get his book. And until next time, today is the day to unlock your peak potential. My See you later.